Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my bulldog Rodney is by my side as usual. Today we're doing a special episode dedicated to March Madness and Kentucky Wildcat basketball because we don't have March Madness this year because all of the games have been canceled due to the coronavirus scare. So, I know a lot of people are stuck indoors, uh, bored, uh, trying to look for interesting things to do, and I thought there's nothing better to talk about during March Madness than Kentucky Wildcat basketball. So today, I'm going to do a breakdown of the greatest Kentucky basketball teams since I've been alive, so 1977, starting with the Rupp Arena era, and we're doing our own bracket challenge breaking down the top UK teams during this period, and we are picking the top 24 teams uh, during this period. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I know you're probably going to disagree with my picks, but that's okay. We're all entitled to our opinions. So before we get started, I want to point out the fact that the Kentucky Cats Paws, which is the, the longstanding publication talking about Kentucky sports, came out this year with their top teams during their their period and the, the cats paws started in the 8081 season so that did not include the 1978 championship team with jack givens uh, rick roby and mike phillips and kyle macy which they that team will definitely be in my bracket today but they they ranked the top 10 teams during this period and i gotta tell you i disagree with this vehemently vehemently i think the cats paws is really wrong in this so Anyway, here's who they have. Number one, they have the 2015 NCAA Final Four team that went 38-1, led by Carl Anthony Towns, um, the Willie Cauley-Stein, and um, th- those guys. They picked them number one. I vehemently disagree with that. I mean, how do you pick a team to be the best Kentucky team during this period and they don't even win the championship? I know they were good, but, I mean, they are far from number one in my opinion. Number two pick was the 2012 NSA Championship team with Anthony Davis. And I'll admit that that was a really good team, really good team. Um, I'm not sure that it's number two, but a really good team. Number three, and this is where I get upset with their picks, they have the 1996 NSA Championship team with Tony Delk, Antoine Walker, uh, Walter McCarty, Derek Anderson, and Ron Mercer as the number three best team during this period, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. They, they should be much higher, but that's the Cat's Paws pick. Their number four pick was the 1998 NCAA Championship team uh, in Tubby Smith's first year, the Comeback Cats, led by Jeff Shepard, Wayne Turner, and Scott Padgett. The number five best team is Calipari's first team with John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, Patrick Patterson, and... Um, and a host of others. So they're the number five team. They went 35-3 and three that year. Uh, ended up in the Elite Eight, losing to West Virginia. The number six team was the 1997 team, um, which was Patino's last team. That was Ron Mercer, Derek Anderson before he got hurt, um, Wayne Turner, a really, a really good team. Came in at number six. Number seven, which I think this is a joke, a, an absolute joke. The 2019 NCAA tournament team that went to the Elite Eight with P.J. Washington, um, Keldon Johnson, uh, Tyler Hero, and Reed Travis. 
Now, don't get me wrong. This team is a that team is a good team, but number seven, I don't think so. Especially when they're followed by number eight, the 1984 Final Four team with Melvin Turpin, Sam Bowie, Kenny Walker, Winston Bennett, uh, Jim Master, and Dickie Beal. I mean, you know, P.J. Washington was a was a fine player, but he's not even close to. Melvin Turpin and Sam Bowie. Now, if these guys stayed around a few years, I maybe. But, I mean, to put that team ahead of the 84 Final Four team is just ridiculous. And I even get further upset when I see that the number nine team on their poll is the 1993 Final Four team led by Jamal Mashburn that basically dominated going through the, the SEC and the NSA tournament. They went 30-4, and four, lost to the Fab the Fab Five in the Final Four, and honestly, if Mashburn didn't get a bunch of just really bad calls on fouls, I mean, they, they would have beaten Michigan, and I think they were the best team uh, in that 93 season because they definitely would have beaten North Carolina in the championship game. So, But the Cat's Paws ranks them as the number nine best team. And the 10th best team, they give it to the 1992 Elite Eight team of the Unforgettables with Mashburn is a sophomore, John Pelfrey, Darren Feldhouse, Sean Woods, Richie Farmer. And uh, I don't have a problem with that team being number 10. But, you know, some of these other picks, I'm just scratching my head here. What, what's going on with the cat's paws here? But yet, I don't really feel bad about objecting because, you know, generally the cat's paws is pretty good. But this year they picked E.J. Montgomery to be the SEC Player of the Year. And he really had a bad year. Hopefully he comes back. And he has a much better junior year, and and really develops, and hopefully, uh, you know, goes on to a successful NBA career. But I gotta tell you, these those picks were absolutely horrible. And then to make things even worse, they talked about the 40 best players during the Cats Pause season, and they pick Anthony Davis, which Anthony Davis is a great player, but he was only at Kentucky for one season, only one season, and he had a really good year. But that 2012 season was not really a top-notch talent pool. And so I think he's great. But number one over Jamal Mashburn, Mashburn was two. Kenny Walker was three. Carl Anthony Towns was four. Tony Delk was five. John Wall, six. DeMarcus Cousins, seven. Rex Chapman, eight. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, nine. Which, I mean, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, he was a good defender, a good athlete. But come on. He couldn't shoot. I mean, you're telling me that you're picking those guys over a Melvin Turpin, um, a Sam Bowie, Ron Mercer. Um, I mean, I don't know what was going on here, but we're going to get all this straightened out with my picks today as we evaluate the top 24 teams during the, the Rupp Arena era. So here are the teams we're going to have in this, um, this competition. So we're going to start out with the 1977 team. That was actually the first team that played in Rupp Arena. Um, that was a team led by Jack Givens as a junior, Rick Roby, Mike Phillips, James Lee, Larry Johnson, uh, J- Jay Scheinler, and uh, Truman Clater. So the stats for that year, Jack Givens uh, led the team in scoring with 18.9 points per game. Roby chipped in with um, 14.2 points per game. He's and Jack Gibbons was a 6'4 small forward. Rick Roby, for those who don't remember, was a 6'10 uh, power forward. Uh, Mike Phillips was a 6'10 uh, center. He averaged uh, 12.2 points a game. 
Larry Johnson was a starting point guard. He averaged 10.7 points per game. James Lee was a six, a six foot five, just I mean a fire hydrant, just a big strong guy. Um, coming off the bench, he uh, averaged 9.8 points per game. Uh, Jay Shiler was a freshman, contributing 7.8 points per game. And Truman Clater was a shooting guard, uh, and he contributed 6.6 points per game. This team went 26 and four. Uh, overall, they went 16-2 and two in the SEC. They were the SEC co-champion, and they ended the season by losing in the Elite Eight to North Carolina 72-79. to So, good team. Uh, didn't win the championship. They went a long way. The next team that's going to be in here is a 1978 championship team. Basically, it's almost the same team from 1977, but a huge addition by having Kyle Macy come in to be the starting point guard. And Macy was big difference pushing this team to a championship. There was a tremendous amount of pressure on the 78 team to win it all, and uh, so they did win it all that year. They went 30-2, and two, uh, went 16-2 and two in the SEC again. They were number one in the AP and UPI poll. Uh, Joby Hall was a coach of the 78 team along with the 77 team, and uh, they ended up winning it all by beating the Duke Blue Devils 94-88 to 88 in the Final Four in St. Louis, Missouri, and that year um, Jack Gibbons led them in scoring again with 18.1 points per game. Rick Roby was the second-leading scorer with 14.4 points a game. Kyle Macy um, averaged 12.5 points a game. James Lee coming off the bench was 11.3 points per game. And thunderous, thunderous dunks. I mean, a huge power guy. Uh, Mike Phillips is the starting center, chipped in 10.2 points per game. And Truman Clater, the other starting guard, um, contributed 6.9 points per game. So they are the second team in this bracket. Um, our third team in the bracket is the 1980 Kentucky team. That was with Kyle Macy as a senior. Uh, he was joined by Sam Bowie as a freshman. And uh, that was a really, really dominant team with Joe B. Hall. Uh, they went 29-6. and And uh, throughout the year, they went 15-3 in the SEC. They were the SEC champion. And... Um, this was actually the first year that the SEC tournament was reinstated. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the second year. Uh, they did not win the SEC tournament, but they did go all the way to the Sweet 16, um, and they lost to Duke, uh, 50, 54 to 55. That year, uh, Kyle Macy was a leading scorer as a senior. He uh, averaged 15.4 points a game. Sam Bowie as a freshman, um, chipped in 12.9 points per game. Fred Cowan. Uh, averaged 12.5 points per game as a junior, 6'8 uh, forward. LaVon Williams was a senior forward, chipping in 7.5 points per game. And Jay Shadler as a senior, chipped in 6.2 points per game. The next team um, in this bracket is a 1983 Kentucky team, and that was led by Melvin Turpin, uh, Dirk Minifield, Charlie Hurt, Derek Ward, and Jim Master. Um, a really good team of Joe B. Hall. This was during the period where Sam Bowie had suffered uh, leg fractures, and so um, this is actually the second year without Sam Bowie. So Melvin Turpin was a leading scorer that year as a junior, 6'11 junior. Uh, he averaged 15 points a game. Jim Masters, a 6'5 uh, junior shooting guard, he averaged 12.5 points a game. Derek Hord was a 6'6 small forward uh, and a senior, chipped in 8.9 points per game. Dirk Minifield was the uh, starting point guard and actually Kentucky's all-time assist leader, uh, 6'3". Uh, guard and he averaged 8.6 points per game and um, his assists were really high 
And Charlie Hurt, one of my favorite players of all time, one of my favorite players, built like a rock, um, six foot six, power forward, and he averaged 8.2 points per game that year. And that team ended up going 23-8 on the season, 13-5 in the SEC. They were the SEC champion. They did not win the SEC tournament. They actually lost to Alabama um, in the first round. And they ended up to the Elite Eight, losing to Louisville of Denny Crum in the Dream Game. Um, that was in Knoxville, Tennessee. Ended up going to overtime, and the Wildcats lost 68-80 to, to, to a team with led by Charlie Jones, Milt Wagner, Lancaster Gordon. I mean, a really top-notch Louisville team that went on to the Final Four. The next team in this bracket is the 1984 Kentucky Wildcat team. And this is where Charlie Hurt, uh, Dirk Minifield, and Derek Cord moved on, but Sam Bowie was back, and Sam Bowie made a huge difference. Um, the 84 Wildcats got uh, also a lot of production from Kenny Walker. They had freshmen Winston Bennett and James Blackman, and overall they were 29-5. and They went 14-4 and in the SEC. They were number three in the AP poll and the UPI poll. They were the SEC champion and also the SEC tournament champion. And um, a lot of, I mean, in this period of 83-84, I mean, college basketball was as good as it as ever was. I mean, you had... Georgetown with Patrick Ewing, you had Michael Jordan, Sam Perkins with North Carolina, you had Akeem Olajuwon with the Houston Cougars, and uh, these Wildcats, they actually played Houston at Rupp Arena and actually beat them, um, and they beat them 74-67, big game for Melvin Turpin and Sam Bowie in that game, and you also had Charles Barkley at Auburn, and he was a force. So this team, uh, like I said, uh, was SEC champion and the tournament champion. And uh, they had a great run to the Final Four and a great first half in the Final Four against Georgetown. And then the bottom fell out. We, went, we shot 11% in the second half, and we ended up losing to Georgetown 40-53 to in the Final Four and one of the most disappointing losses in Kentucky history. But... Um, that was still a great team. It was led by Melvin Turpin in scoring that year with a 15.2 points per game. Uh, Kenny Walker was a second-leading scorer with 12.4 points per game. Sam Bowie uh, was a third-leading scorer with 10.5 points per game, but a big rebounder, big shot blocker, as was Melvin, but Sam was a, a big rebounder. Jim Master uh, chipped in with 9.6 points per game. His scoring went down that year but because Kenny Walker stepped up, and, of course, Bowie is there. Uh, Winston Bennett chipped in 6.5 points per game, and their starting point guard that year was Dickie Beal, but uh, Roger Harden also chipped in a lot as a backup point guard, as did James Blackman. And this is where I, I really liked the look of Winston Bennett and James Blackman because they came in with the with the Afros so and um, the Jerry Curl. So that was a tough-looking Winston Bennett. So after the 84 team, uh, the 85 team is not in my bracket. They did uh, slip that a little bit, which would be expected when you're losing Sam and Melvin. Uh, but Kenny Walker had an awesome year in 85. Uh, he averaged 22, uh, almost 23 points a game that year, but they only went um, 18 and 13 that year, and they ended up losing to St. John's in the uh, Sweet 16 that year. Did not win the SEC, 
So the 85 team is not in the bracket, but the 86 team is, and that's Kenny Walker's senior year. It was the first year of Eddie Sutton's term as a Kentucky coach and an awesome team here. You had them uh, at 32-4 and four for the season. They went 17-1 in the SEC. They won the SEC championship. They won the SEC tournament championship. Um, they went all the way to the Elite Eight and lost to LSU, surprisingly, 57-59. to And this is where we played LSU twice in the regular season. Um, and actually, no, did we only play them? Yeah, we only played them twice. Uh, we beat them in the SEC tournament in the regular season. But as the whole saying goes, it's hard to beat a good team three times, and that's what happened to the Wildcats. In that game, uh, LSU had a, a star player named John Williams, and they ended up beating Kentucky in that year. But I thought this was a great, great team. Uh, Kenny Walker capped off his senior year by averaging 20 points per game. Winston Bennett stepped it up with uh, 12.7 points per game. Uh, Ed Davender was the point guard on that team. Uh, well, really, they had two point guards. They had Ed Davender and they had Roger Harden. Uh, Ed Davender was a good scorer, 11.5 points per game, good defensive guy, 6'2 sophomore. James Blackman chipped in 9.4 points per game as a 6'3 junior, and Roger Harden is a senior um, co-captain on that team with Kenny Walker and Leroy Bird. Uh, averaged 6.8 points per game, but his assists were high. And just a, I really liked Roger Harden. He was just a good leader on that team. So the 86 team is in it. Uh, we then skip the 87 season, and we go to put in the 88 team, uh, led by Rex Chapman. And this is Rex Chapman's sophomore year. A really top-notch team. Unfortunately, this we did have some games stripped in the NSA tournament because of probation. But nevertheless, this 88 team was a tremendous team, led by Rex Chapman as a 6'5 shooting guard. Averaging 19 points per game. Ed Davender as a 6'2 senior. Averaged 15.7 points per game. So you had a top-notch backcourt there with Ed uh, Ed and Rex. You had Winston Bennett as a senior because he set out the 87 season due to a knee injury. He averaged 15.3 points per game. Uh, Rob Locke as a 6'11 senior chipped in 10.9 points per game. And Eric Manuel as a 6'6 freshman chipped in 7.1 points per game. Uh, the 88 team went 25-5. and uh, through the year, they went 13 and five in the SEC. They did win both the SEC championship and the SEC tournament championship um, under Coach Eddie Sutton. So that is the last 80s team in this bracket. Then we shift to the 90s and the Rick Pitino era. And the first team from the Rick Pitino era that is in this bracket is a 1992 Kentucky Wildcat team, the Unforgettables, with John Pelfrey. Richie Farmer, Darren Feldhouse, and Sean Woods as seniors, and star Jamal Mashburn as a 6'8 sophomore. And the 92 team is one of the most beloved teams of in all of Kentucky history. This is unfortunately the team that lost to Duke and Christian Leitner in the Elite Eight on the miracle shot. Uh, but they did have a tremendous year. They went 29-7 and seven, um, during the year 12-4 and four in the SEC. That was good for a number six ranking overall in the uh, the AP poll and the CNN USA Today poll. They did win the SEC East and the SEC tournament down in Birmingham, and like I said, they did lose to Duke in that, that classic Elite Eight game on the Leitner shot. Jamal Mashburn had a huge year that year. Uh, led the team in scoring with 21.3 points per game. Uh, he was an All SEC performer. Um, 
and just a, a tremendous year for Jamal. Uh, John Pelfrey was a second-leading scorer as a senior, uh, 12.5 points per game. For those who don't recall, John Pelfrey is a 6'7 uh, shooting guard, I mean, sm- a small forward. Darren Feldhouse is our sixth man, was a 6'7 senior, uh, scored 11.4 points per game, and just, I mean, tough as nails in there. He's one of my favorites, like Charlie Hurt. Um, Richie Farmer averaged 9.6 points per game as a six-foot senior guard. Sean Woods averaged 7.7 points per game as a starting point guard. And also Dale Brown was a very important player on that team as as a shooting guard, a tough defender, coming in as a junior college transfer. So we also include the 93 team in this bracket, led by Jamal Mashburn. That He took that team to the Final Four. Um, he was joined by Travis Ford on that team. Travis was the second-leading scorer at 13.6 points per game, tremendous foul shooter, tremendous three-point shooter, uh, good assist guy. Of course, Jamal led the team in scoring with 21 points per game. He was an All-American that year. Uh, Dale Brown uh, averaged 9.4 points per game as the other as the shooting guard. Roderick Rhodes was a freshman on this team. He averaged nine points per game, and Rodney Dent was a starting center, uh, averaging 6.4 points per game. Uh, Jamel Martinez was a critical player as uh, on this team, as well as freshman uh, Jared Prickett, and also um, uh, Junior Braddy as a, a big bench player. So the 93 team had a dominant season, went 30-4, and four. They were 13-3 in the SEC. They were tied with Vanderbilt for the SEC East title. Uh, they ended up winning the SEC tournament uh, under Rick Pitino, and they went through a dominant, dominant run in the NCAA tournament. I mean, when you look at that run, um, I mean, they beat Ryder in the first game 96-52, beat Utah with Rick Majerus um, and a guy named Josh Grant, who was a really good player for Utah, uh, beat them 83-62, to beat that team by 21 points. Then in the Sweet 16 game against Wake Forest, and I remember this game. Um, if you all listened to my prior podcast with Jamal, we talked about it. Um, you know, Wake Forest had a really good team with uh, Rodney Rogers as a, a power forward. He could also shoot three. They had a really good starting point guard, Randolph Childress. And we came in and we, we just – I mean, took them to the woodshed early, and we beat Wake Forest 103-69. to It was the most dominant first halves ever, and you should definitely go back and watch that on YouTube if you can because it's it's a tremendous, tremendous performance by the Wildcats. They then took it to um, Bobby Sura in uh, Florida State in the Elite Eight game. They also had uh, Sam Cassell on that team, beat them 106-81, and then ran into Chris Webber, Jalen Rose, Jawan Howard, Jimmy King, and Ray, uh, Ray Jackson and the Michigan Fab Five. And that was a, a great, great game. Kentucky ended up losing 78-81 to 81 in overtime. And uh, I still think, you know, Jamal just got some horrible calls on him because he, he was beating Michigan by himself. But anyway, the chips didn't fall our way, and we ended up as only a Final Four team that year. Next team we have in the bracket, uh, we have the 95 Kentucky team with Rick Pitino. This was a team um, led by Tony Delk, Roderick Rhodes, Walter McCarty, Jeff Shepard, and Mark Pope. This is Mark Pope's first year with Kentucky. The, this team went 28-5. They were 14-2 in the SEC, number two in the AP poll, and number five in the CNN USA Today poll at the end of the year. They won the SEC East. They won the SEC Tournament. Um 
and they were the overall SEC champion. And I tell you what, this team right here, if you want to go back and see a classic Kentucky game, you should go back and watch this SEC championship game, uh, tournament championship game with them in Arkansas in the finals. That was one of the best games in Kentucky history. I mean, this is the Arkansas team that was going into the years, the champions from 94. They had Corliss Big Nasty Williamson, Scotty Thurman, Corey Beck. I mean, this was a loaded Arkansas team. And Kentucky went back and forth. This is the game where, I mean, it was just an amazing comeback by the Wildcats. You know, Roderick Rhodes missed the foul shots that we could have won uh, in regular uh, regulation. And he was sitting on the bench crying. I mean, just dejected, but the Wildcats pulled it out. Uh, it was a tremendous game. Um, one, one for the ages. And then they went on a great run and ended up losing to North Carolina, led by um, Jerry Stackhouse and um, Rasheed Wallace in the Elite Eight. They lost 61-74. to But I will tell you, this game, I mean, this is one where the officials completely controlled the game. I mean, Kentucky started out red hot. I mean, Walter McCarty was on fire in that game, and they had a skirmish between because Patino said he was going to make it physical. He knew that um, Rasheed Wallace was a head case, and he wanted to make it physical down low with Andre Riddick and Pope and McCarty, all those guys. So Riddick and Rasheed Wallace got tangled up into a fight, and they called a technical on Walter McCarty, and it was it should have been on Riddick, but so it put Walter McCarty in some big foul trouble, and he had to go out for the rest of the half, and that was a huge blow to Kentucky. We never got the momentum back. I mean, McCarty was on fire in that game, but we never got the momentum back and ended up losing that game 61-74. to And uh, that was actually Roderick Rhodes' last game as a Kentucky Wildcat. He ended up transferring for the 96 season. And the 96 season, they're definitely in here because they were loaded absolutely loaded you had a lot of the guys back from 95 you had um uh well going back though on that 95 team just the stats tony duck led the team in score and was 16.7 points per game uh roderick rose chipped in uh, 13 points a game walter mccarty chipped in 10 and a half points per game jeff shepherd um, averaged 8.3 points per game and mark pope averaged 8.2 points per game of course you had andre riddick on that team as well chipping in so, um, so a lot of those guys were back in 96. Obviously, Roderick Rhodes was not. Um, we had Derek Anderson come in as a transfer. We also had Ron Mercer as a freshman. Um, and that 95 team, you also had Antoine Walker as a freshman. And, boy, Antoine, he was, he was huge in that Arkansas game. But Antoine Walker came in as a sophomore, and, I mean, he really upped his game as a sophomore um, on the 96 team. This team went 34-2. Uh, and two. Um, they only lost two games that year, and it was to UMass early in the season. Uh, UMass with John Calipari as a coach and Marcus Camby on that team. They lost 82-92. to 92. Uh, And then they lost to Mississippi State in the finals where, you know, Antoine Walker was actually benched for the second half. And, um, you know, Patino and some others have said they – Patino has said that that was what was the difference in that team making a run uh, – I don't know if it's necessarily true, but um, anyway, they went on a huge run in the NCAA tournament, um, beat San Jose State and Virginia Tech pretty easy in the first two games, beat Utah with Keith Van Horn uh, very easily by 31 points, 101 to 70. And talk about the greatness of this team. In the Elite Eight, they played Wake Forest with Tim Duncan. 
and they they dominated Tim Duncan. They beat this Wake Forest team 83-63. to, to 63. I mean, as soon as Duncan got the ball, he was double teamed by Walter McCarty or, or Antoine Walker or, or Pope. I mean, it it was just a, a shutdown. So then they had the matchup with Marcus Camby and Calipari again and a very good UMass team in the Final Four, beat them 81-74, and of course won the title against Syracuse and John Wallace 76-67. The only drawback I have on this team is the god-awful denim uniforms of that year. But other than that, they were dominant. Um, Tony Delk led the team in scoring with 17.8 points per game. Antoine Walker averaged 15.2 points per game. Walter McCarty averaged 11.3 points per game. Derek Anderson averaged 9.4 points per game. And Ron Mercer averaged 8 points per game. And you still had Mark Pope. Um, You had Jeff Shepard, who was uh, redshirting. I think, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Shepard, he redshirted that year. Uh, no, he didn't, actually. But anyway, a great team uh, with the 96 Wildcats. All right, and uh, also the 97 Wildcats are on this team. They are were led by Ron Mercer and Derek Anderson. Uh, of course, you know, if you listen to my interview with Derek, we know that Derek went down in, um, as we got into SEC play, and he was like probably the one of the most dominant players in college basketball at that time, along with Mercer and um, and uh, Tim Duncan, and um, so but this team made a run through the the tournament with guys like Scott Padgett stepping up, Cameron Mills stepped up. One of my favorite players, Anthony Epps, was rock solid as a leader, nailing big threes. Alan Edwards had a a, a big play in this. Jared Prickett, Nazi Muhammad stepped up. So I really like this team, and for purposes of this bracket. This team is being evaluated as if Derek Anderson was healthy, and uh, so they were went thirty-five and five on the season. They went thirteen and three in the SEC. They were number five in the AP poll, number two in the CNN poll. Uh, they were the SEC uh, tournament champion and had a great run. They, um, yeah, that year that the the reason they didn't win the SEC that was a good South Carolina team that year with BJ Mackey and some other guys, Melvin. Uh, Melvin Watt- Watson, I think, was the, uh, on that team. But um, anyway, they won the SEC tournament down in Memphis. I remember going to that game uh, or that tournament. Uh, and then they had a, a great run in the uh, in the tournament, ended up going to the Final Four, beating Minnesota and Clem Haskins 78-69, and then lost in overtime in the championship game to Arizona, led by Mike Bibby and Miles Simon, 79-84. But a great team, uh, Mercer, Led the team in scoring with 18.1 points per game. Derek Anderson averaged 17.7 points per game. Um, Scott Paget chipped in 9.6 points per game, and I mean he really stepped up the second half of the year when he became eligible. So that, he was a very important player on that team. Allen Edwards is a 6'5 uh, junior, averaged 8.6 points per game. Anthony Epps is a senior, 6'2 senior, averaged 8.9 points per game, but a, a great leader, good defensive guy. Uh, you also had Jared Prickett as a 6'9 senior, averaging 7.9 points per game, and Nazi Muhammad as a 6'10 sophomore, averaging 7.9 points per game. So, and the next team we have in here, we have the 98 championship team. First year, uh, the Tubby Smith is on the bench at Kentucky as head coach. This team won the national championship with a 35-4 and record. They were a number five uh, ranking in uh, overall. 
uh, in the AP going in, and they were number one in the USA poll after winning it all. And this was the Comeback Cats, and this was a team uh, led with captains Alan Edwards, Cameron Mills, and Jeff Shepard. But um, it's kind of a unique team because they really – it was a very well-balanced team. They didn't have a Ron Mercer or a Derek Anderson, you know, one of these stud players. They just had a lot of very good players that played good team ball. And Jeff Shepard led the team in scoring as a, a 6'3 senior, averaging 13.7 points per game, a good defender, a good three-point shooter. Nazi Muhammad had a really good year as a 6'10 junior. Uh, Scott Padgett chipped in 11.5 points per game. And, I mean, that guy would hit clutch threes, clutch threes. Uh, Wayne Turner averaged 9.3 points per game as a junior. Alan Edwards as a senior chipped in 9.2 points per game. And Hashimu Evans in his first year as a junior college transfer. No, I'm sorry, as a, as a transfer from Manhattan. He uh, averaged 8.8 points per game and was a huge player off the bench for them as a six-man and um, I tell you, one of my favorite games was the game we had against Duke in the um, the Elite Eight. This is a team that had Wojciechowski on, on Duke's team, and I despised Wojciechowski. I thought he was a prick. I thought he was a jerk. Uh, one of my least favorite players ever at, at Duke, along with J.J. Redick and, of course, Christian Leitner. Um, and we went through and won that game 86-84 in a classic. So that's another one that... Hey, if you're looking for stuff to do while you're quarantined at the house, check out that game because it, it was a classic. Uh, of course, after that game, they go to the Final Four in San Antonio. They beat Stanford and Mark Madsen, 86-85 in overtime in a wild one, and then beat uh, Keith Van Horn. And uh, Actually, no, not Keith Van Horn, Michael Doliak in uh, the Utah Utes with Andre Miller and uh, beat them 78-69 to win the championship. So they are in the uh, the tournament, and that is the last 90 team, 90s team to be in. Uh, I decided not to put the 99 team in, um, which had Scott Padgett as a senior. They That team ended up going um, and losing in the Elite Eight to Michigan State uh, with Mateen Cleaves, Morris Peterson. They um, they did win the SEC Tournament Championship to keep that string in, in play, but um, they did lose nine games. They went 28-9. Only 11-5 and five in the SEC, so that wasn't good enough to make this cut. All right, starting the 2000s. Honestly, I'm going to be very frank here. I'm not going to have uh, too many 2000 teams in this until uh, until we get to the John Calipari uh, era. Just because, I mean, obviously the 2003 team was a, a really, really good team. Um, that was a team that had Keith Bogans. Gerald Fitch, Mar- Marquise Estel, Eric Daniels, and Chuck Hayes. Um, really good team. They went 32-4. and They went 16-0 and in the SEC. So that was a repeat of what they did in 96. So they were the SEC champion. They won the SEC tournament um, in a pretty convincing fashion. Um, I really liked this team. I thought Marquise Estel was an unsung hero. He really developed into a good low-post scorer. Loved Gerald Fitch. Tough defender, good clutch outside shooter. Uh, Bogan stepped up and had a had a nice year after a, a disappointing uh, junior season in 2002. And uh, they, they ended up losing to Dwayne Wade and Marquette in the Elite Eight. And I got to tell you, that Dwayne Wade team, oh my gosh, I remember it because I was in law school in Louisville that time and Marquette was in the, uh, the same um, 
uh, Conference USA as Louisville, so they played Louisville several times. And Louisville had a good team with Reese Gaines and some other guys on that team. But, man, Dwayne Wade was just awesome, and, and Dwayne lit him up uh, in this Elite Eight game in Kentucky, lost 69-83. But, you know, they did have a good run, and uh, so they are in this bracket, as is the 2004 team uh, that I thought – I really thought they were going to have a big drop-off in 2004, but this team, they were really good. Good team ball. Um, they ended up going 27-5, 13-3 in the SEC. They were number two in the AP poll, number eight in the ESPN poll. They won the SEC East Championship and the SEC Tournament, and they're led by Gerald Fitch as a senior, scoring 16.2 points per game. Eric Daniels had a really nice year uh, with 14.5 points per game and a good facilitator. Um, Eric Daniels turned out to be a better player than I thought he was going to be. Uh, Clint Azabuki came in as a sophomore, uh, averaging 11.1 points per game. Cliff Hawkins um, was a junior point guard on this team and um, averaged 10.7 points per game. i got to mention in that 2003 team, he was a starting point guard for that, that team as well. And you know, Good defender, good defender. Uh, and uh, Chuck Hayes was on that team, I think I mentioned that. Um, I, I love Chuck Hayes. I mean, he is one of my favorite players, um, one of the greatest of – I mean, not necessarily the greatest as far as, like, talent, but as far as heart, hustle, and a glue guy, he was a critical player. So I really like Chuck Hayes. Um, this team surprisingly lost in the second round of the SC, or the NCAA tournament, though, to UAB in, in a shocker, losing 75-76. to 76. So that was a disappointing way to go out, but they're still good enough – to be in this bracket, um, you know, talking about some of these 2000 teams, I didn't have any of the Tayshon Prince-led teams in there. Um, I I just think those teams underachieved. Um, I I personally don't think Tayshon was. I thought he was a good player, but it, he really didn't have a dominant year, in my opinion, until that senior year, where he averaged 17 and a half points per game. Um, but so he was a good player, but those teams. They started the, tr- the string of the 10 lost Tubby teams. So I just didn't really want to put them in this those brackets because I don't think if you're losing 10 games a year, you're an elite team. So that's where we ended with the Tubby teams uh, with 2004. Now what I have done is with this bracket, I tried to keep unique teams as, as much as I possibly could. So what I did with this bracket is... Basically, every John Calipari team, except the team um, in 2013, where we had Archie Goodwin and Nerlens Noel, and you know a very disappointing team there um, that lost to Robert Morris in the NIT. Uh, the 2013 team is not in this bracket, but the 2010 team is in it. That's the first team with John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Patrick Patterson. That team was 35-3. and three. They went 14-2 in the SEC. They um, won the SEC, they won the SEC tournament in a fantastic finish um, against Mississippi State where Marcus, DeMarcus Cousins hits that um, game-time shot at the buzzer. I mean, just an amazing comeback. And then they ended up winning by one in the SEC tournament. So that was a, a, a very exciting team. They ended up losing to West Virginia um, with Bob Huggins and um, – I forgot the guy. They had a really good um, shooting guard. And I, I forgot that guy's name, Daquan Butler or something like that. But anyway, they, um, a disappointing loss in the Elite Eight. 
66 to 73. But overall, this team was uh, really, really talented, and they would be ranked higher in my bracket if these guys had stayed around. But um, needless to say, John Wall led the team in scoring with 16.6 points per game. Uh, Demarcus Cousins averaged 15.1 points per game. Patrick Patterson uh, averaged 14.3 points per game. Eric Bledsoe uh, averaged 11.3 points per game. And Darius Miller, as a sophomore, chipped in 6.5 points per game. The 2011 team was actually one of my favorite teams during the, um, the Calipari era. And part of it is because of a guy named Jorts, affectionately known as Jorts, Josh Harrelson. I thought he was a critical player. Uh, for this team, and uh, this team was led by Brandon Knight, uh, Terrence Jones, and Deron Lamb as the freshman. Uh, Darius Miller was a, the junior on the team, uh, Liggins was a junior, and Harrelson was a senior, but I thought Harrelson was a, a tremendous player for them, and a, a big fan favorite. So that 2011 team, they went 21, or 29 and 9, they went 10 and 6 in the SEC, so they did not win um, the SEC regular season, but they did win the SEC tournament, beating the Florida Gators, um, 70 to 54, and they ended up going all the way to the Final Four. So they actually went farther than um, the the Cousins and Wall team, and ended up losing to Connecticut, 55 to 56, in a very very tough loss. I mean, a very tough loss. But um, Brandon Knight led the team in scoring with 17.3 points per game. Terrence Jones uh, averaged 15.7 points per game in what I would consider for him really an inconsistent season. Uh, he came in with a lot of hype. I didn't think his freshman year was as consistent as I would have liked to see, uh, and I'm, I think probably Jones would admit that as well. Uh, that's why he ended up coming back uh, in 2012, and I'm glad he did. Uh, Deron Lamb, uh, a great shooter, 6'4", uh, shooting guard, averaged 12.3 points per game. Darius Miller... Uh, as averaged 10.9 points per game, and DeAndre Liggins, as a junior, chipped in 8.6 points per game. And uh, then the next team obviously needs to be on this list. I don't know about number one, uh, like the Catspaws ranked them. Uh, I'm sorry, number two. But uh, a great team nonetheless. Uh, this is a 2012 team led by uh, Anthony Davis. The freshmen coming in here were Anthony Davis uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Marcus Teague, um, Davis led the team in scoring at 14.2 points per game. Obviously, a great shot blocker, good rebounder. Uh, Deron Lamb uh, was the second leading scorer at 13.7 points per game. Uh, I mean, a critical three point shooter. He was almost automatic out there. Um, Terrence Jones, uh, scoring went down with uh, 12.3 points per game. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Somehow averaged 11.9 points per game, and I think they were mainly on layups because the guy couldn't shoot worth worth anything. But great athlete, good defender, I mean a, a critical defender on, on this team. So um, that was huge for him. And uh, Marcus Teague was the starting uh, point guard. He averaged 10 points per game. I think Teague, you know, he wasn't a, a great point guard, but he was a solid point guard, a good defender, Hit some key shots. I mean, he's not up there with John Wall and Brandon Knight. Uh, definitely not up there de- with De'Aaron Fox. But I mean, he was he was solid, and uh, he got he gave us what we needed. 
And uh, this team went, uh, like I said, 38-2, 16-0 in the SEC. They won the SEC regular season tournament, but lost in the championship game to Vanderbilt, uh, 64-71. But um, then when they got into the SEC or the NCAA tournament, they um, they were pretty dominant. Beat Western Kentucky, Iowa State, beat Indiana, uh, pretty good, 102-90, which avenged uh, one of our two losses that year. Well, they lost Indiana in the regular season on a – um, a miracle three, and um, then they ended up beating Louisville in the Final Four, uh, 69 to uh, 61, and then beat Kansas 67 59. But honestly, I that was not really a great championship game. I mean, obviously, hey, I'm gonna take the Kentucky win, and but I just felt that 2012 season the talent level wasn't as good as like in some of the years in the 80s and stuff. So we'll get into that more in the bracket. But obviously the 2012 team was um, one of Calipari's best. And, um, you know, Anthony Davis is definitely one of the best Kentucky players in this era. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And when I'm doing my evaluation, I'm not looking at the way Anthony Davis is now as an NBA player. I'm looking at his time at Kentucky. But uh, So keep that in mind. Um, the 2014 team is in this, and this is a – a surprising team in a way. Um, this is the team led by Julius Randle as a freshman. Uh, had James Young as a freshman. And the Harrison twins, Andrew and uh, Aaron Harrison. Willie Cauley-Stein was a sophomore on this team, as was Alex Poitras. The 2014 team went 29-11, and went 12-6 tw- uh, and six in the SEC. So they did not win the SEC regular season. They did not win the SEC tournament. Uh, they lost to Florida. Uh, 60 to 61, but uh, then they got on a nice run in the tournament and ended up beating, um, going to the Sweet 16. They beat Louisville. They beat Michigan on a huge three by Aaron Harrison. I mean, a great matchup. I mean, their their run was a magical run in the in the S, uh, NCAA tournament. Ended up beating Wisconsin, you know, in another wild game, 74-73. Uh, very exciting game, and then we lost to Connecticut, fifty-four to sixty, in the championship game. In in a game that I think a lot of Kentucky fans sit there and say we should have won the game. I mean, we couldn't hit foul shots in that game. It was amazing how bad our foul shooting was, and uh, we ended up losing to Kimball Walker and uh, the Connecticut Huskies in that championship game. Next, we have another powerhouse team of Calipari's. We have the twenty fifteen team, led by freshman Carl Anthony Towns. Um, oh, going back on that 2014 team as far as the stats go, Julius Randle led the team in scoring. He's a 6'9 power forward, uh, 15 points per game. James Young was a 6'6 freshman, um, averaged 14.3 points per game. Aaron Harrison averaged 13.7 points per game. Andrew Harrison averaged 10.9 points per game. And don't forget the Harrison twins were 6'6 guards, so they did present matchup problems. Um, they came in with a lot of hype. I think every Kentucky fan will admit they didn't live up to the hype. But let me tell you, they delivered in the in the NCAA tournament. I mean, Aaron Harrison had some huge threes. So, you know, solid players, not what we were expecting, but nevertheless solid players. Um, so moving into that 2015 team, it was a dominant team because you had the Harrison t- twins coming back. You had Willie Cauley-Stein coming back as a junior. Um, they were joined by Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, Tyler Ulis, Trey Lyles, um, that was a powerhouse team. But it was a very unique team because there was a lot of depth on that team. And so 
you look at the, the win-loss record, it was 38-1. and They didn't lose a game until the last uh, game of their season when they lost to Wisconsin and Frank Kaminsky, uh, 64-71, in a very, very disappointing game. Uh, but they won the SEC. They went 18-0 and that year. They uh, dominated the SEC tournament in Nashville uh, and rolled through the early stages of the NCAA tournament. But uh, I mean, they beat they beat a West Virginia team, a good West Virginia team, 78 to 39 in the uh, the Sweet 16. But then against Notre Dame, and this is this is a good Notre Dame team. They they squeaked it out. 68 to 66 and in that Wisconsin game we just we were just flat you know I mean Willie Cauley, I'm not Willie Cauley Stein Willie Cauley Stein really didn't deliver much in that game I, I thought he was going to kind of be more dominant because he was a great defensive player but uh you know Carl Anthony Towns down the stretch I mean that guy was scoring at will and for some reason we stopped going to him and we went to the Harrisons in that last play and I don't under, I still this day don't understand it but Anyway, that's why Coach Calipari is on the bench, and I'm not, I guess. But um, anyway, that was a disappointing loss. But if you look at the stats for this team, uh, it's very odd how the scoring went. Aaron Harrison led the team in scoring with only 11 points per game. Carl Anthony Towns only averaged 10.3 points per game. Devin Booker um, averaged 10 points per game, and he was coming off the bench because uh, they were starting the Harrison Twins. So had Andrew Harrison at 9.3 points per game. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein had 8.9 points per game. And Trey Lyles is on that team as a 6'10 freshman, 8.7 points per game. They also had uh, Dakari Johnson was on that team. And uh, he wasn't one of the top scorers, but he was a, a key contributor. But a great team, but they only made it to the Final Four. Reminded me a lot of the 84 team with Melvin Turpin and Sam Bowie where you get to the Final Four and, you know, just just couldn't bring it home. But uh, a, a dominant team through the regular season, to say the least. But I just can't agree that they are the, the best team, like the Cats Paws said, uh, since their era began in 80-81. I just I cannot buy that. I think they're a top-five team, um, probably, but not number one. So... The next team we have in this bracket uh, is the 2016 team, which is actually one of my favorite teams because this is where Tyler Eulis got a chance to shine. Tyler Eulis is one of my favorite players, um, undersized guard at, um, I think he, they listed him at uh, as uh, 6'1", but I, I think he's closer to like 5'10". No, I'm sorry, like 5'8". Um, but... Tyler Eulis was a great, great player, good leader uh, on this team. He was jo- joined by Jamal Murray. Uh, Alex Poitras was uh, was on this team. One of my least favorite players, Alec- Isaiah Briscoe, was on the team. And the reason why I dislike Isaiah Briscoe is because I've never seen a guy step out of bounds as much as Isaiah Briscoe. Uh, I cannot believe it. I know if my good friend David Shelby is listening to this, he is... Uh, jumping for joy at my comments because he was not a fan of Isaiah Briscoe either. Uh, Derek Willis was on this team, as well as one of the biggest disappointments ever in Kentucky basketball history, Scal Labissier. Uh, but, needless to say, since Scal was such a huge disappointment, they this team found a way to, to win 
and that was due to Tyler Eulis. He was such a great player on this team, uh, such a good leader. Jamal Murray was a, a big-time scorer. This 2016 team went 27-9 and overall. They went 13-5 and in the SEC. They did win the SEC tournament in Nashville, um, beat Texas A&M in the finals in overtime, 82-77. to uh, So a very exciting win. And then they ended up losing in the second round in the um, – in the NCAA tournament to Indiana in a very tough matchup. They lost 67-73. to But um, even though they didn't go as deep in the tournament as some of these other teams, um, they were one of my favorites because I'm, I'm a huge Tyler Eulis fan. And Tyler Eulis was a big part of that 2015 team too. I mean, honest to gosh, if it were me, I, I, I thought he and Booker were the better backcourt, but they were coming off the bench to the Harrisons. But anyway, the 2016 team is in. Uh, another one of my favorite teams is um, the 2017 team. This was led by De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Bam Adebayo, Isaiah Briscoe as a sophomore, Derek Willis as a senior. I loved De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox. Oh, my gosh, this was one of my favorite teams. Um, this is the team that went 32-6 and six in, um, the regular, in the regular season overall, and uh, they went 16-2 and two in the SEC. I will say, though, it was one of the most disappointing games I ever went to. I went to the when they played at Florida, and they got whipped, sixty-six to eighty-eight. And I I was like so disappointed with the effort that this team put in. But that game was a turning point for the season because I know Calipari was so upset about that game too. The effort in that game was pathetic, absolutely pathetic. And this team turned it around, and they got hot, and they went through that SEC tournament and won. And they, uh, they went to the Sweet 16 in a matchup that I truly enjoyed. Um, it was against uh, Lonzo Ball and UCLA. And, of course, you had Lonzo Ball you know, talking a little trash, not as much as his dad, LeVar Ball. But, man, I'm telling you what, Darren Fox took it to Lonzo Ball, dominated him. And um, you know, UCLA had a good team. They had T.J. Leaf on that team and uh, some others. But that was a good team. But uh, the Wildcats took it to them, 86 to 75. Uh, I mean, Darren, Darren Fox showed out in that game, uh, and uh, then we lost to North Carolina in a tough game on a last-second shot by Luke May of North Carolina, 73-75. But I mean, this two, 2017 team was definitely one of my favorites. Malik Monk led the team in scoring at 19.8 points per game. Darren Fox. Uh, Led the team, or was the second on the team in scoring with 16.7 points per game. But oh my gosh, he was a great finisher. And to me, I, he was the best player on the team. I mean, Darren Fox was so great as a point guard, big point guard at 6'3, 6'4, um, fast, um, could hit his foul shots, being a good defender. Bam Adebayo was the center, a 6'10 freshman, 13 points per game, big tough guy down low, blocking shots and rebounding. Uh, Briscoe was just kind of a, you know, a solid player. I mean, just kind of a good role player. Because Briscoe, even though I did say I, I'm not a big fan of his, which I, I'm not, um, he did, I mean, he did a lot of things very well. He can handle the ball. He was a pretty good defender. His shot was very odd. But, I mean, he was a, a very important part of that team. So um, got to give him a little bit of props here. And uh, Derek Willis made some huge shots for that team. Very important player. 
as the other forward. He averaged only seven points per game, which seems like he, but it seems like he should have averaged more. He was a, a really important player on that team. So, the 2017 team is in it, as is the 2018 team. That is the um, uh, Kevin Knox team and Shy. I Shy. I'm just going to say Shy because it's Gilgris Alexander. But um, P.J. Washington was a freshman on that team, as well as uh, Diallo, Hamadou Diallo, and uh, Quadre Green was a freshman on that team. So the 2018 team, they went uh, 26 and 11. They went 10 and 8 in the SEC, so that was pretty disappointing. Uh, they did win the SEC tournament, though, so that was a nice rebound for them. But they only made it to the Sweet 16, losing to Kansas State 58-61. Uh, Kevin Knox led the team in scoring 15 with 15.6 points per game. Shy, um, which I thought Shy was a really great player, and he's had a, a wonderful career in the NBA so far. Um, he um, was a 6'6 uh, point guard for us, averaged 14.4 points per game, but I mean he was really good. I liked him a lot. Um, P.J. Washington had a solid freshman year at 10.8 points per game. Um, I think. You know, I, that was a team where, or a, a year where I wish PJ would have been more aggressive, because I think we lost some games, especially like some tennis, some games to Tennessee, where I mean he was dominating, and then all of a sudden, just I I don't know what happened. He just stopped playing, I think, but uh, they stopped giving him the ball. But uh, he he still had a, fa- a very good freshman year, ten point eight points per game. Uh, Diallo was ten points per game, but he was kind of an up and down guy. And uh, Green, Quarter Green, uh, had a solid year as a freshman, 9.3 points per game. And the final team uh, in this uh, tournament is the 2019 team, which was a good, solid team. Uh, that was led by P.J. Washington, Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson, Reed Travis, and Ashton Hagens. Uh, the 2019 team went 30-7. and They went 15-3 and in the SEC. They uh, did not win the SEC uh, tournament that year. They actually lost to Tennessee in a very tough game in the, in the tournament. And Tennessee had a really good team that year with um, uh, Grant Williams and uh, Admiral Schofield. So they were pretty tough. And we ended up losing to Auburn in the Elite Eight. And I still kind of have a problem that we lost that game. But you know what? It is what it is. Auburn took it to us, and we, we couldn't deliver. Uh, but I thought this was a really good team. I actually went to one of their tournament games when they played uh, Wofford up in Jacksonville, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, P.J. Washington was the stud on the team at 15.2 points per game. He really improved his overall game uh, from his freshman season, uh, definitely improved his jump shot. Uh, Tyler Hero had a, a really good year uh, with 14 points per game. Keldon Johnson had 13.5 points per game. Uh, Reed Travis, who was solid. I really liked Reed Travis. Um, he averaged 11.2 points per game, and Ashton Hagens had a really good freshman year at 7.7 points per game and a really good point guard, good on defense. And uh, so that's ran out our bracket. So I have taken quite a bit of time here to – go into a lot of detail on all these teams since some of you guys may not be up to date on on all the stats and may not remember all those teams on the the top of your head so i'm going to pause where you can take a a quick break you know go get something to drink 
bathroom break, whatever you need to do. And then we're going to get into our bracket challenge where we're going to match up these teams and see who ends up coming out on top. So we'll be back in a, just a couple of seconds. Okay, so our first matchup in the bracket challenge is the 1977 team with Jack Givens and Rick Roby, Mike Phillips, versus P.J. Washington's team and the 2019 Wildcats. And uh, both teams ended up going to the Elite Eight and losing. Uh, both teams had um, very successful seasons with the 77 team going 26-4 and and 16-2 and in the SEC. Um, and the 2019 Cats going 30-7 and and 15-3 and in the SEC. I thought this is a really interesting matchup because – I, I, I like the power matchup inside with um, you got P.J. Washington and Reed Travis going against uh, Rick Roby and Mike Phillips. I do think Rick Roby and Mike Phillips have the advantage there. And um, I do like the idea of uh, Kelvin Johnson going against Jack Givens, um, two really good shooters. I think Givens is the better shooter, but uh, Kelvin's maybe the better athlete. Um, I do give the advantage to Tyler Hero in the shooting guard scenario here over uh, Truman Clater, but Truman was a really good defender, and uh, it's a nice point guard matchup with Larry Johnson and Ashton Hagens. Larry Johnson, for some of you younger guys, I mean, Larry Johnson was a really good ball player. So, interesting matchup. I think it's going to be a tight one, but I'm going with the 77 Wildcats over the 2019 Wildcats by just a hair because I do think that the advantage of uh, Jack Goose Givens and Roby is going to be too much for the 2019 Wildcats, but I do think this is going to be a fun up-and-down game. Uh, a lot of good inside action, too, so a really good matchup, but I am going with the 1977 Wildcats. The next matchup, I have the 1978 Wildcats. Basically, the same Givens-Roby uh, team with, uh, with Mike Phillips. And, oh, in that 77 matchup with um, 2019, 2019 team. I love the matchup of James Lee going against uh, P.J. Washington and Reed Travis. I mean, James Lee was uh, a hoss at six foot six, but I mean, strong as an ox, could jump out of the gym, a power guy. So I'd really love to see that matchup too. So that's another advantage why I think the 77 team goes over the 2019 team. All right, so back to the next matchup. We got um, the 78 team that won it all with Jack Givens and Roby and Kyle Macy. Going against the 2018, 2018 team of Kevin Knox and Shy uh, Alexander, along with P.J. Washington as a freshman, I, I think this is a no-brainer. This is obviously the 78 team going over. I don't think the 2018 team is going to have the inside strength to handle Roby and Phillips and James Lee, um, and I, I just think it's a tremendous matchup problem. Um, Kevin Knox will give would give this team a, a matchup problem, being a 6'9 guy who's basically a shooting guard. Um, but I just don't think there's enough inside strength there, and I think the guard play with Kyle Macy um, is going to be too good for the 2018 team to overcome. But needless to say, it would be very interesting to see Shy uh, as a 6'6 guard probably having to be guarded by, uh, by uh, uh, Jack Givens there. So there are some matchup problems, but I still think the 78 team comes out on top there. All right, next matchup we have. We have the 80 team, 1980 team of Kyle Macy and Sam Bowie versus the 2017 team of De'Aaron Fox, uh, Monk, and uh, Bam Adebayo. Uh, I do think this is a very interesting matchup, but I'm going with the 2017 team here. 
I'd, I think De'Aaron Fox would be too much for Kyle Macy at point guard. Um, I think he's too quick. I think he's he's probably too big. Uh, Kyle Macy was 6'3 as well, but I mean, I just don't think he would stay with De'Aaron Fox. Um, I also don't think the shooting guard situation with uh, Jay Shadler, he wouldn't be able to keep up with Monk. That being said, if Monk has one of his off games, you know, this team could definitely lose to the 80 team because I do think Sam Bowie takes it to Bam, but I think Bam holds his own. But, I mean, Sam Bowie was a beast down there. But that, that would be a very good matchup. But overall, I think that 2017 team comes out on top in a very, very good matchup. And, you know, the more I think about it, I really would like to see that Sam Bowie-Bam out of Bayou matchup. That would be a good one. So, but we're going to the 2017 team here. All right, next matchup. We have the 1983 team uh, with Melvin Turpin, Charlie Hurt, Dirk Minifield, uh, and the uh, cast and crew there versus the 2016 team of Tyler Ulis and Jamal Murray. The matchup I'm very excited to see here is Dirk Minifield versus uh, Tyler Ulis. You got two of Kentucky's best point guards ever, uh, two great assist guys, good leaders. Ulis is the better shooter. Um, Dirk is bigger, he's more powerful, so um, that's going to be a tough matchup for Ulis on the defensive end because I do think Dirk would take him down low and on, on the drive. Um, I think Jamal Murray is definitely better than Jim Master as a shooting guard there, but Jim Master, you know, I think he would hold his own, but I, you got to give the matchup uh, there to, um, to Jamal Murray. But I think the difference inside is going to come with Melvin Turpin. I, that 2016 team, they did not have enough inside power. I mean, uh, Alex Poitras, was, there's no way he's going to handle Melvin Turpin down there. He's not. Uh, Charlie Hurt's going to shut him down too. I mean, that's a good power matchup with Poitras and Charlie Hurt. But I'm telling you, Charlie Hurt, he would shut down Barkley. He was a beast down there. Uh, Scal, there's no way he's going to guard Melvin Turpin. So I'm going with the 83 Wildcats over the 2016 Wildcats due to Melvin Turpin. All right, next matchup we have here. We have the 84 Wildcats versus the 2015 Wildcats. So this 84 team, that's Melvin Turpin and Sam Bowie, the Twin Towers. Kenny Walker is a very important part of that team. And you got Dickie Beal and uh, Jim Master versus the 2015 team of Carl Anthony Towns, the Harrison Twins, Devin Booker, Tyler Ulis, Willie Cauley-Stein. So you got your Twin Tower matchup here. You got Willie Cauley-Stein and Carl um, Anthony Towns going against Bowie and Turpin. That's a heck of a matchup right there. Very similar players with Willie Cauley-Stein and Sam Bowie. Um, very similar players with Carl Anthony Towns and Melvin Turpin. Um, as far as the backcourt goes, you know that... Uh, you got an argument there that the, the Harrison twins take it to Dickie Beal and, and Jim Master based on size alone. But, you know, Dickie Beal was fast. He was a good defender, and Roger Harden was tough. I think the backcourt, though, goes to the 2015 team because you've got coming off the bench uh, Devin Booker and uh, Tyler Eulis. you got Trey Lyles coming off the bench on that team. But I don't think Trey Lyles is better than Kenny Walker. I mean, Kenny Walker was a stud on that team. Uh, so, this is a pretty even matchup, and you can basically kind of flip a coin on this, but to me, I, I'm taking the 84 team. I think Melvin Turpin and Sam Bowie were better than Willie Cauley-Stein and Carl Anthony Towns. 
Now, that being said, maybe Carl Anthony Towns is the best. He, he's going to have the best pro career. I mean, he's having a great pro career. But people forget with Melvin Turpin, Melvin Turpin was a really great jump shooter for a, a big guy. He would come out on that elbow and n- nail those jump shots. And you got to remember, this team was going against the the uh, the powerhouses of uh, Akeem Olajuwon. You had the Patrick Ewing teams. You had all these great teams going on. I mean, college basketball in 84 was a lot better than the talent in 2015. So I give the edge to Bowie and Turpin over Carl Anthony Towns and um, and Willie Cauley-Stein. And I think Kenny Walker, his he offsets the um, the difference that the backcourt advantage is going to have. And don't forget, you still had James Blackman and Winston Bennett coming off that bench too. So if there are matchup problems from a size standpoint, I mean, you have those guys to step in. So I'm picking the 84 team over the 2015 team, and that's where I have a huge difference with the Cats' paws. They're picking this, this 2015 team as the number one team overall, and I, I just don't think you can do that with in the one-and-done era. Now, that being said, if this was a team that stuck around a few years or whatever, even if they stuck around for the 2016 team, that's a completely different debate because I think if Carl Anthony Towns stayed two or three years, he's going to go down as a better player than Melvin Turpin and uh, – and Sam Bowie as college players. Now, you got to keep that in mind as, as college players because, like I said, Carl Anthony Towns, his NBA career is going to be better than what Melvin and Sam had. It, it, it already is. So that is what it is. But we're talking college here. And um, so I'm going with the 84 team over the 2015 team in what some may call an upset, but I don't. All right, next matchup. I think this is a really great matchup. I'm going – with the 86 team, led by Kenny Walker and Winston Bennett, versus the 2014 team, led by Julius Randle and uh, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, James Harrison. It's an interesting matchup because I think the teams are very similar. You know, you got Julius Randle, who is this big, strong, power forward guy who led the team pretty much. Um, similar to Kenny Walker, I mean, the, the 86 team, they Kenny Walker was pretty much their they didn't have a center well they had Rob Locke but he wasn't a a big contributor uh just kind of so so I mean their starting lineup was Kenny Walker and Winston Bennett as the forwards and they had a three-guard lineup with Ed Davender, James Blackman and Roger Harden so I think that Kenny Walker matchup with um uh with uh, Julius Randle is a very interesting one uh and I'd like to see it and I think it's interesting when you got Poitras in there and Collie Stein versus Bennett. I mean, Bennett was a beast down low. And uh, But I'm going with the 86 team. I think overall they were better. I think Ed Davender was uh, a big difference maker there. He was a really good outside shooter. I thought Kenny Walker uh, was dominant. He was more dominant than Julius Randle, I think. Uh, Julius Randle was very good. But that 86 team, they were really good. Um uh, one of my personal favorites, so I may be showing some bias here, but I'm going with 86 team over the 2014 team. All right, next one. Um, we have the 1988 team with Rex Chapman, Winston Bennett, and Ed Davender versus the 2012 uh, Kentucky team with Anthony Davis, Deron Lamb, uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and, and Terrence Jones. I will say this. I think it would be a very good game 
I, I really like the idea of seeing Rex Chapman go against this team because Rex Chapman was a great college player, I mean, a great shooter. I think the backcourt is definitely uh, in favor of that 88 team with Ed Davender and Rex Chapman. Um, but the front court is where the, the ball game is going to be won here. Um, I, I don't see how you can pick the, 22, uh, the 1988 team over the 2012 team, and especially with the 2012 team being a national championship team. Uh, I think Anthony Davis would have his way inside uh, over Rob Locke. Uh, hopefully a few people didn't laugh there. But um, I think Rob would hold his own for a little while, but I think Davis is just too athletic. Um, I would like to see that Terrence Jones matchup with Winston Bennett. I think Bennett's better there. Um, and, you know, I would I would like to see that Eric Manuel matchup with uh, even Richard Madison versus Kid Gilchrist. But overall, um, I, I think Deron Lamb is a very uh, key part of this. I, that matchup with him and Rex Chapman would be a nice one to see. Uh, both of them 6'4", 6'5", but I'm going with the 2012 uh, Wildcats here over the 88 team. All right, so I I am picking a few uh, one and done teams here. So I've picked uh, you know Darren Fox's team. I've picked the 2012 team. So I'm not a complete homer for the the 80s so far. All right, next matchup um, we have the 93 team with Jamal Mashburn that went to the Final Four versus another Final Four team, the 2011 team of Brandon Knight, uh, Josh Harrelson, Deron Lamb, and Terrence Jones. I love the 2011 team, but there's no way I'm picking them over Jamal Mashburn in the 93 team. That Mashburn team was one of my favorites. I think Jamal Mashburn, in my opinion, is the best um, Kentucky player that we've had in the Cat's Paws era. Now, if Anthony Davis stayed uh, multiple years, that's a different discussion. I think the same thing with Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, but they didn't stay multiple years. They stayed one year. So, But um, I'm going with this Mashburn team. I think there's nobody that that 2011 team has that can handle Mashburn. I, I think um, Josh Harrelson is, is a good matchup inside. But, you know, Rodney Dent was on that team. And he wasn't a great scorer, but he was a good big guy inside. Could block shots, could be tough. So I think, you know, it's kind of a wash with him and Harrelson. Maybe Harrelson has the advantage there. Um, I think Jamal Mashburn has his way with Terrence Jones um, in that matchup. Uh, I think the point guard situation, Brandon Knight has the advantage over Travis Ford just from a size standpoint. But what I think they do there is I think um, I think Dale Brown would uh, probably – I don't know how they do that because you got uh, Lamb, who is a six-four shooting guard. I mean, Dale Brown may guard him. Maybe they have you know Jeff Brasso step in because, for those who don't know, I'm a huge Jeff Brasso fan, and he was a very good defender. So, but I I think that team um, would be too much for the 2011 team. But I think it'd be an exciting matchup to see. So, going with Mashburn and the '93 Wildcats. Next matchup we have two of my favorite teams. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to pick one of them to lose. The 92 Wildcats, the Unforgettables with Pelfrey, Feldhouse, and Farmer in Mashburn versus the 2010 team with um, uh, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Patrick Patterson, Eric Bledsoe. This is a tough matchup here because, I mean, one of my favorite teams is the Unforgettables. And if I'm going based on the, the team that's my favorite, 
there's no way that I'm uh, going against the Unforgettables. But that being said, um, the 2010 team was so athletic then and, and just so big that except for Mashburn, I don't see how the 92 team stays with them. The only thing that that I, I think would the 92 team would win in this matchup is if they're just red hot from three. But I just don't know that they're going to be able to break free as much as they would need to based on the athletes that are on that 2010 team. Uh, you know, you got a matchup problem at point guard with uh, John Wall, six uh, four over Sean Woods. Now neither one of them could shoot consistently from the outside, but uh, I think Wall gets an advantage there. I think Demarcus Cousins is a beast down low. Uh, now Mashburn, Mashburn takes him outside, but I mean our centers on that '92 team were Jamel Martinez and Andre Riddick and Timberlake, and there's no way they can hold Cousins. So that's a huge matchup problem for the '92 team. Patrick Patterson's a solid matchup for Mashburn. I think Mashburn has that advantage there. But Patrick Patterson, on that year, he improved his outside shooting. But you got to remember, before Cousins came in, Patterson was a beast down low. And in fairness, I think a lot of times Cousins, he just clogged the lane, and they should have got the ball more to Patterson down low. But they were just dead set on pushing Cousins. But if you remember Cousins as a freshman, his footwork was horrible. I mean, it was it was painful to watch him down low at times with his footwork. It was just bad. But, you know, he figured it out enough, I guess. But um, And then Eric Bledsoe on defense, I, I just think he's a tremendous matchup problem for them. I mean, if I'm the fan, I'm rooting for the 92 team. But if I'm a basketball analyst, it's hard for me to pick against the 2010 team here. So I'm going with the 2010 team over the 92 team in a battle of the Elite Eights. All right, next matchup. I think this is a fantastic matchup. This is the 95 Wildcats versus the 2004 Wildcats. So you have the 94 or 95 Wildcats with Tony Delk, Roderick Rhodes, Walter McCarty, Shepard and Pope versus the 90 or 2004 Wildcats, which that's the team with Gerald Fitch, Eric Daniels, Azabuki, Chuck Hayes, and Cliff Hawkins. And um, I just thought that 2004 team was really, really good. But I, I don't think they beat the 95 team. I think I think Tony Delk's better than Gerald Fitch. I think uh, Roderick Rhodes is, you know, I, I think Roderick Rhodes takes it to Eric Daniels. I, I, I'm a fan of Roderick Rhodes. Yes, he was an up-and-down player, but, I mean, he was a good player. But that would be a good matchup with him and Eric Daniels. Um I just don't think they have the inside strength on that 2004 team to handle them. I mean, Chuck Hayes is a 6'6 uh, power forward, basically. I, I don't think – I think McCarty could take him. Uh, but it would be interesting to see. I, I think this is kind of a toss-up. I think it could go either way. But I just felt that 95 team was overall better, and that's my pick. So we have the 95 team moving along, and we have the next matchup in a, a – a real powerhouse matchup, the 96 team versus the 2003 team. I think this is a really good matchup. I like the the matchup inside with uh, Marquise Estel going against Antoine Walker. Uh, I think Antoine Walker wins that matchup. But, uh, you know, you got Bogans and Derek Anderson matching up at 6'5", uh, shooting guards. 
I think that's a whale of a matchup. And even when he goes against Mercer, uh, you know, Chuck Hayes going against uh, Antoine Walker would be a nice matchup to see. Um, Tony Delk and Fitch is a good one. But I think the difference here, I think the difference is uh, Ron Mercer coming off the bench and Anthony Epps. Anthony Epps was such a clutch player, such a good leader. I think he takes it to um, to um, the point guard, uh, Cliff Hawkins. But uh, I'm going with that 96 team over the 2003 team. They're a national championship team, and um, I, I think they were one of the best. So I'm going with the 96 team over the 2003 team. And the final bracket in the first round pairs the 97 team Versus the 98 team. So basically you got Rick Pitino's last team versus Tubby Smith's first team. And people have always kind of debated. It's like, well, you know that 98 team, it was a lot of Pitino players. Did Tubby just kind of win with Pitino players? Because, you know, other than the 2003 team, he didn't have another team that went back to... Um, he didn't have a team to go back to the Final Four. He had uh, this a team go to the Elite Eight. So interesting debate. Who, who wins out here, 97 or 90, 98? That 97 team was loaded with Ron Mercer and Derek Anderson, and even without Derek Anderson, they still went to the uh, final game and uh, you know ended up losing to Arizona in overtime. The 98 team, you didn't have Ron Mercer. You didn't have Derek Anderson. Now, Nazi Muhammad stepped up his game uh, definitely as a, as a junior in 98. Scott Padgett had a better year. But Scott Padgett was pretty pretty solid in 97 as well. Uh, now, they do have Ashimu Evans stepping in, but he wasn't better than Ron Mercer, and he wasn't better than Derek Anderson. Uh, you had Wayne Turner on both teams, but I'm telling you, I'm taking Anthony Epps over Wayne Turner as my point guard. So when I'm looking at this, and like I said uh, earlier, this is assuming Derek Anderson's healthy, I'm going with the 97 team over the 98 team. In a bit of an upset where you have a, a, a team beating one of our national championship teams. Uh, but I think that 97 team, I mean, if you had Derek Anderson fully healthy, they were going to win that thing. So, and arguably, I mean, Anderson, even in my podcast, I mean, he said he was ready to go. He was wanting to play. And if Derek Anderson plays in that championship game against Arizona, there's no way we lose that game in my opinion. So I consider the 97 team a, a championship caliber team as well so i'm going with the 97 team over the 98 team so where we are we have the 90s 1997 or 1977 and 78 teams advancing we have the 2017 team with darren fox advancing we have the 83 and 84 teams with melvin turpin advancing we have a six team with uh, kenny walker advancing we have the 2012 team with anthony davis advancing we have the 93 team with Jamal Mashburn. Uh, we have the 20 team, uh, 2010 team with Cousins and Wall. We have the 95 team with Delk and Rhodes. Uh, then 96 with uh, Tony Delk, Antoine Walker, McCarty, Derek Anderson, and then that Mercer, Derek Anderson team in 97. So a lot of good teams. Um, some may say I, I should have more um, Calipari teams in here, but, I mean, I think it's kind of hard to to evaluate all these Calipari teams when they're one and dones. I mean, I think Coach Calipari does a fantastic job with with these one and done teams to get them to buy in and be 
teams that meet the satisfaction of the Kentucky Wildcat fans is not an easy thing to do because we as Wildcat fans expect SEC championships, NCAA championships. I know, you know, there are some fans that they're like, hey, you know, I'd love to hang another banner and it'd be nice if, um, you know, some of these guys stick, stick around and maybe we can do that. But, you know, you got to give Coach Calipari props. But, you know, when some of these teams are one and done, you're not getting Carl Anthony Towns at the level he would be if he was a junior or senior. And if he was, I mean, he'd we would be winning championships. So, anyway, it's a very interesting bracket so far. So now we're moving on to our next round of brackets. And I'm not going in the same order I did last time. I've tried to match these teams up based on just overall good matchups, based on the, the personnel on each team and some matchups that I'd like to see. So we're going to start out with um, the 1978 championship team of um, uh, Jack Givens and Rick Roby and Mike Phillips versus that 95 team of Roderick Rhodes, Tony Delk, and Walter McCarty that went to the Elite Eight and lost to North Carolina. So in this one, I think it's a really interesting matchup because I think I think the guard play on that '95 team is is similar to the uh, the '78 team because you had a really good point guard in, in Kyle Macy. I mean, one of Kentucky's best, and I thought Anthony Epps was a fantastic point guard um, for Kentucky. And uh, but you still had Jeff Shepard. You had um, the Roderick Rhodes matchup with Jack Givens. You had Tony Delk in there. But I just think the inside play with Roby and Phillips would be too much for Walter McCarty and Mark Pope and, and Antoine Walker as a freshman. So in that regard, I'm going with the 78 team. Oh, and you got James Lee. So I, I just feel that that 78 team would be too much for the 95 team, and I'm going with the 78 team. So, sticking with that um, Roby and Phillips and Jack Givens era, I'm taking the 77 team in a match. Uh, they're going to be matched up against that 84 team of Sam Bowie and Melvin Turpin and Kenny Walker. And I think this is a really great matchup because really Roby and Phillips were known as the first twin towers for Kentucky. Both those guys were 6'10". And then you got Turpin and Bowie who... Turpin was 6'11", and uh, Sam Bowie was 7'1". But, uh, you know, Melvin was a big, heavy guy, uh, and it would he'd be beating and banging down there with Roby and Phillips, and that'd be fun to see. And Sam wasn't as much on the beating and banging, but, I mean, what a, a defensive player he was and a, you know, a smart player, good good shot blocker. So I give the advantage to Bowie and Turpin on the inside. But Jack Givens on that 77 team was the leading scorer. But you got Kenny Walker on this team for the 84 team. Now, he's, he's not as good as Jack Givens was in the 77 season in Kenny's 84 season, but I think that's a heck of a matchup there. And I do like the depth of the bench on the 84 team, uh, maybe a little bit more. I do love James Lee coming off, but I'm going to go with the 84 team here in what some may call a bit of an upset, but I was a huge fan of Turpin and Bowie and Kenny Walker. I love this 84 team. Uh, they did go to the Final Four, whereas the 77 team only went to the Elite Eight. Um, 
is that it'd be a very tough matchup. I could see it going either way, but I'm going with the 84 team of Bowie and Turpin. All right, next matchup here. We got Anthony Davis in the 2012 team versus the 83 team of Melvin Turpin, Dirk Minifield, Charlie Hurt, and uh, Jim Master. As much as I love Melvin Turpin, one of my favorite players, I think Anthony Davis would have the advantage over him in this matchup, and he doesn't have Sam Bowie to back him up there. So I, I think, but Turpin was a great scorer. I think Turpin's still going to get his points, but I think Anthony Davis is still going to get his points as well. So I think that's a uh, close to a wash uh, with a slight advantage, but advantage nonetheless to Anthony Davis. I think the guard play there on that 2012 team would be very interesting going against the 83 team because on that 2012 team, I mean, I talked about um, – Teague earlier, and I think he's a very similar player to Dirk Minifield. I don't think he's as good as Dirk Minifield, but Teague was still a pretty good defensive guy. He, he was he was solid for that team, as solid as he as he needed to be. So I think Dirk Minifield has an advantage there, but not by a lot. I do think on that 2012 team that uh, Deron Lamb has a, the advantage over um, Jim Master. But that's a nice matchup, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys going at it. But I think Lamb is a better outside shooter than Jim Master. I love the matchup of Terrence Jones versus Charlie Hurt. Charlie Hurt wasn't a scorer, but he's not going to let Terrence Jones run through. He's going to knock him down a few times, rough him up. Uh, so th that's a good matchup. But where um, you know Michael Kidd-Gilchrist on the team, he, he can't score. and He, he just can't. He I just was so frustrated with him as a player. But he's going to be a tough matchup for a freshman, Kenny Walker, there. I think that's an interesting matchup. But that being said, the 2012 team was a national championship team. And I'm going with them over the 83 Kentucky team, even though I really like that Kentucky team. But they didn't go to the Final Four, and they didn't win the championship that year. So I'm going with the 2012 Kentucky team. Next matchup. This is one of my favorite matchups in the whole tournament. The 97 team of Ron Mercer and Derek Anderson versus that De'Aaron Fox team of 2017 with Fox and Monk and Bam Adebayo. This is a tremendous matchup because you've got De'Aaron Fox going against Anthony Epps. you got Malik Monk going against Derek Anderson. you got uh, Mercer in there and Bam Adebayo going against Nazi Muhammad. I really love this matchup. Um, I'm going to go with the 97 team because I think I, I think Anthony Epps would find a way. To, if he does, I don't know that he would shut down De'Aaron Fox, but he's going to make him work. I mean, he's going to make him work hard. And I think Derek Anderson has the edge over, over Monk. I think Derek was a more consistent player than Monk. I mean, Monk can get red hot and – I mean, he could get red hot in this game, and he could he could score 40, but I don't think he's going to do that on Derek Anderson. And Ron Mercer is just too tough for in, anything that the that that 2017 team has. I mean, there there's no way Derek Willis is going to be able to hold uh, Ron Mercer. He's just too athletic. Briscoe will, will try. I think that'd be interesting to see Mercer and Briscoe because they are really good athletes. But I mean, Ron Mercer would take him down, hit that little. Uh, fadeaway jump shot around the elbow. I, I just I don't think that's a uh, a problem for Ron Mercer there, and 
I just think, you know, Bam, I think Bam was better at that point than Nazi was, but Nazi was still pretty solid. And you still had Jared Prickett on that team who was a good defender. So I think the inside would be a probably about a wash there. Uh, and, and you're forgetting about Scott Padgett. I mean, Scott Padgett, was, he was very clutch down the stretch. Uh, you still had Alan Edwards there. You still had Cameron Mills coming off in three. So I just think that 97 team's just too deep, and I think their stars are just flat better. I think Mercer and Anderson are better than, than Fox and Monk. So I'm going with the 97 team there. Uh, in a battle of a team that went to the finals versus uh, the team that went to the Elite Eight, in a, a classic matchup. Next, I have the 93 team of Jamal Mashburn uh, versus the 1986 team of Kenny Walker. I'm going with the 93 Mashburn team here. I think Mashburn was overall a better player than Kenny Walker. I think Kenny Walker was a tremendous down uh, low, low post score, but I think Mashburn would have the size on him. Uh, Kenny wasn't the best outside shooter, and that really hurt him in his, his NBA career when he went in as a six, uh, six eight guy who could jump out of the gym and you know great dunker. But he he was a small forward who really struggled with that consistent jump shot. So I think Mashburn had the advantage there. I think the the guard situation would be very interesting. I think Ed Davender um, versus Travis Ford would be a lot of fun. Both are great shooters. I'd probably give the edge to Ed Davender there just based on size. Um, but I think that if I was coaching, I'd put Dale Brown on Ed Davender and um, and see what happens there. But I, I just think that that 86 team uh, wouldn't have the depth to, to match up with the 93 team where you still had coming off the bench, uh, you know, Jared Prickett. You had Roderick Rhodes. You had Jamel Martinez who could step in and be, give you quality minutes. Rodney Dent, uh, Junior Braddy, uh, Brasso. I, I just think that that 93 team is too tough. And so uh, in two, a matchup of two of my favorite teams, I'm going with the Mashburn team. And the last matchup in the second round is a doozy. You've got the 96 Wildcat team, the champions with Tony Delk, Antoine Walker, uh, Walter McCarty, Derek Anderson, Mark Pope, Ron Mercer, and Anthony Epps, among others, versus that 2010 team of Cousins and Wall. Wow, what a matchup. What a matchup. So let's just kind of look at this matchup here, just based on all the, the stats. All right, so you got a backup. Uh, you got a, a guard situation here. You got John Wall. Going against, I think um, Jeff Shepard was the starting point guard there for a, a period of time, but ultimately it came down to my man Anthony Epps. And oh man, that's a heck of a matchup. I'm I'm telling you, a lot of people there they're, they're going to say you're crazy. You know John Wall's going to dominate Anthony Epps, and I'm I'm here to tell you right now I don't think he would. I, Wall's going to get his points, but man, it's not like Wall was a, not, a knockdown shooter out there. But I, I still give the advantage to Wall. But Anthony Epps was he was a beast down there. I love the idea of a matchup with Demarcus Cousins and Antoine Walker. And at this stage of his career, uh, Antoine was a better player over Cousins. But that would be a great matchup. You still got the Patrick Patterson matchup with uh, Walter McCarty. 
I'd probably give the advantage to Patterson there, though McCarty was solid. But I, I always kind of felt McCarty was a guy that really, to a degree, underachieved. But I guess you could argue on the flip side and say, well, hey, he was on these teams with Antoine Walker and Rhodes and stuff. You guys share the ball kind of a thing. So both of them, uh, Patterson and McCarty, could hit three for big guys. So that would be an interesting matchup. Of course, you got Mark Pope coming off the bench there. That guard matchup, though, with uh, Tony Delk and um, uh, Eric Bledsoe, that'd be a nice matchup because both are good athletes. Uh, I think Eric Bledsoe would definitely play some tough defense on uh, Tony Delk. But on the other hand, Tony Delk's going to play a lot of tough defense on uh, Bledsoe. And Bledsoe really at that time wasn't a very good shooter. So in in a very fun matchup, I'm going with the 96 team here. They were a champion. They were a dominant team in the SEC that year. Um, the Elite Eight team was great, but they they didn't go to the Final Four. They didn't win the championship. And, you know, even with John Wall, as, as great as he was, I can't say that he's better than Tony Delk as a college player. And, and he's not better than um, Derek Anderson. He's not better than... Uh, Ron Mercer is a college player because his his jump shooting just wasn't there. Um, so I I just can't see any fathomable way to pick the 96 team to lose to the 2010 team of Wall and Cousins. So I'm not. All right. So wild matchups here. Wild matchups here left. We have um, in our final bracket or next to final bracket, I'm doing some interesting matchups here. I'm going to go in my first matchup with the 93 team of Jamal Mashburn that went to the Final Four versus that 97 team of Anderson and Mercer that went to the final game. I'm going with the 97 team. I'm a huge fan of Jamal Mashburn. Love Jamal Mashburn. My favorite Wildcat of all time. And he would have the advantage over Scott Padgett in this matchup at the power forward position. But I, I Ron Mercer's going to have the advantage over Rod Rhodes um, at this, when Rod Rhodes is a freshman. Derek Anderson's going to have the advantage over Dale Brown. He's going to have the advantage over even if Tony Delk is in there as a, as a freshman. Um, Anthony Epps is going to have the advantage over uh, Travis Ford in that Anthony Epps could hit clutch threes and the problem with Travis Ford is while he was a great great shooter I mean one of the best shooters ever one of the problems he had in that Michigan game is Michigan had so much size on him that it was tough for him to get his shot off and we were doing our best with screens and stuff because if if Travis had some daylight he could hit that shot but I just don't think Epps is going to give him the daylight and another thing you could do too you could even switch and put Anderson on him and shut him down. So I think the guard play is going to be too much with for the uh, the 93 team to overcome. And I think the 97 team is going to come out the winner. So I'm picking the 97 team there. Then I got a heck of a matchup here. I got the 84 team of Bowie and Turpin versus the 78 team of Roby and Phillips and um, Jack Givens. And it's interesting because... Basically, I kind of had this matchup in the last round where I had the 84 team going over the 77 team. 
because it was pre- that 77 team was pretty much the, the 78 team with one big difference, and that difference is Kyle Macy. Kyle Macy was on that 78 team. With Kyle Macy, the backcourt of that 78 team is much, much better. They're, they're going to have the advantage over Dickie Beal and Roger Harden and, and Jim Master. Um, I, I still go back to my point that uh, uh, Jack Givens has the advantage over Kenny Walker. Even Kenny Walker as a sophomore, who is a better player as a freshman, I'm still giving that advantage to, to Jack Givens. I wouldn't give that advantage to Jack Givens if this was Kenny Walker as a junior or senior, though. But this is Kenny Walker as a sophomore. I do give the advantage inside to Bowie and Turpin over that, but let me tell you, Rick Roby was no slouch, and neither was Mike Phillips. I mean, Roby could score. So I think that 78 team, they won the championship. They were one of the most dominant teams ever in Kentucky history. So I'm going with the 78 team over the 84 team. And this is a matchup that, to me, this this is a dream matchup right here. My final matchup before we get to the, the final three here. Uh, the 96 team versus the 2012 team. You got that Anthony Davis team versus the 96 team with Tony Delk and Antoine Walker and Derek Anderson and all those guys I've mentioned before. And this is where the Cats pause. They picked the 2012 team to be the second best team behind the 2015 Wildcats. And they picked this 96 team to be the third best team of all time. And I think whoever wrote that article for the, the Cat's Paws was on crack. Or, or or just doesn't... I don't know what they were thinking. The 96 team wins this matchup. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can talk about how great Anthony Davis was uh, and and stuff, but I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think he's going to be that dominant in there when he's against... An- Antoine Walker at that time was... He was phenomenal, phenomenal. You still got Aunt, uh, Walter McCarty, who's a very similar matchup inside on Anthony Davis. I think Davis is obviously going to hold his own because he's a great, great player. But it's not like he's going to be just, you know, taking the team on his back and and dominating Antoine Walker and Walter McCarty in there. And, and you got Pope. I mean, you've got a a lot of guys that they can throw after him. There's absolutely no way that Michael Kidd Gilchrist can can match up and with Derek Anderson and Mercer in there. That's just not going to happen. And like I said, Gilchrist can't score. So even if he does try to shut down Derek Anderson a, a little bit and Derek doesn't score as much, I mean, Gilchrist is not scoring unless it's like a layup or a run out. So just forget about that. Deron Lamb, he Tony Delk is going to be all over him. I mean, Lamb's going to still get some points and stuff, but Tony Delk was a great defensive player. So I definitely give the edge to Tony Delk there over Deron Lamb. And Terrence Jones, I mean, he's not winning the advantage over Antoine Walker in there. So Marcus Teague is not getting the advantage over Anthony Epps. So I don't see, other than Anthony Davis, maybe he's going to win over Walter McCarty. But, I mean, Walter's still going to hold his own. I don't see one position on that 2012 team that's better than the 96 team. I just don't. And, you know, People can feel free to disagree, but, I mean, I am adamant in my pick of the 96 team over the 2012 team. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. End of story. 96 team is the best um, team of those two. All right, so 
We are down to our final three teams here. We are going the 96 team. We have the 90, 1997, uh, 1978 team and the 1997 team. So, of these three, my first matchup is going to be the 97 team versus the 1978 team. And as much as I love Derek Anderson and Ron Mercer, I'm going with the 78 team. Just because I feel that team was so dominant. I don't think the the inside guys for the 97 team would be good enough to stop Roby and Phillips. I I think that matchup with, with um, Jack Givens and Ron Mercer would be a classic. And, you know, Ron Mercer may have the advantage there. But, man, Jack Givens was – a sweet shooter. He's a Kentucky legend. He was a senior on that team. You got James Lee on that team to come off the bench for some important minutes. I do think Derek Anderson's going to have the advantage with whoever's guarding him. Uh, I, I just think he was that good. But, uh, you know, Truman Clater was a good defensive guy. Um, that If the 97 team were to pull it out, it would be because of Anderson, I, I believe. But... Uh, Kyle Macy in a matchup over Anthony Epps would be a good one. I still would probably give the advantage to Macy, but like you said, I, I love, or like you've heard, I love Anthony Epps. So I think it would be a very good matchup, but I've got to go with the 78 team uh, over the 97 team, which leads to a final matchup with the 96 team in what is a classic, a classic. And honestly, you know, if they're debating the – the best teams ever. I'm still picking the 78 team over the 2012 team. I just, I don't think they have the balance that um, that that 78 team had. I th- and I think the size inside would just be too much. I, again, I think Anthony Davis would more than hold his own. Maybe he has the advantage, but Roby and Phillips were really good, and they were really tough. And they're going to make it difficult on Anthony Davis down there. So. And especially James Lee, they they would put Davis on the floor multiple times, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I I think this is a great matchup, but I'm going with the '96 team. I think that team was too deep, too talented at, at every position. I think the athleticism would be too much, especially in the backcourt when you've got uh, Tony Delk and um, uh, Derek Anderson there and Epps. I, I just think there's a too much there, for and the 96 team goes over. So that is my pick for my March Madness Kentucky Wildcat bracket. Now, I know the fans, I'm probably going to get emails saying you don't, and Facebook posts saying you don't know what you're talking about, you're not giving Calipari's teams enough credit, and hey, you're feel, feel free to voice your opinion and and, and have a different opinion. But I feel comfortable in my picks with the 96 team as the best Kentucky team with the Rupp Arena era since 1977. And I feel very confident with my pick of the 78 team as the second best team. So feel free to disagree. But the most important thing of all this is I hope you enjoyed the, the episode talking about all these Wildcat teams, all these great Wildcat teams that we've had through the past um, uh, 43 years, we've had a lot of uh, very talented players 
And a lot of these talented players that are our favorites aren't always the stars. It's the it's the Anthony Epps, the the Cameron Mills, the Tyler Ulysses, the uh, the the John Pelfreys, the Darren Feldhouses, the Charlie Hurts, the uh, the Winston Bennett's. Yeah, we love our Kenny Walkers and our Melvin Turpin and Sam Bowie and Roby and Phillips and Anthony Davis and, and those guys. But these glue guys are important too, and, and they should not be forgotten because they're absolutely critical to the team, the Devin Bookers out there. So, But, you know, it's interesting to kind of see how college basketball has changed. I mean, those 70s and 80s teams, you had guys stay in four years, and there's no debate that, hey, when Kenny Walker was a freshman, he wasn't the player that Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns were. But, you know, high school basketball was different, too, with all the tournaments and stuff. So it's it's a it's a much different game. And it's I still go back to my statement where it's amazing what John Calipari has been able to do at Kentucky to consistently bring in a new group of guys, get them to buy in, to play in as a team, and gelling and and putting a product on the on the field or on the court that has a chance to win the NCAA tournament every year, and that's one thing that with the March Madness being canceled for um, this year, you know that's why so many fans are heartbroken because this year's team we didn't get to see the 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 end of the 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 puzzle. We didn't get to see that um, the final product because that Kentucky team was starting to play really really well. Uh, you know, quickly had a great year. Uh, uh, Nick Richards was fantastic. I am so pleased with Nick Richards um, because you know everyone was talking about EJ Montgomery being the 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 guy stepping up, and Nick Richards stepped up and answered his critics this year and had a really great year. Um, I really enjoyed Maxi and uh, his play. I mean, Hagens was solid. I, I honestly though I don't think Hagens had the year I thought he was going to have, but he was still a, a really solid and makes a huge difference for our team uh and you know calipari was like he he thought this is a team that could win the national championship and and who's to say he's wrong because this year's college basketball season was such a crazy season i mean who knows what would have happened in that tournament i feel i feel very confident we could have won that sec title um for sure i mean we won the sec regular season um i don't see any reason why we couldn't go in there and win the sec tournament and who knows maybe this was a championship caliber team but unfortunately we will never know because you know the tournament has been canceled and at first i thought well you know is this the right thing to do are we overreacting but I guess it was the right thing to do. It stinks for sports fans. It stinks for the players and the coaches. But, you know, I guess we got to be safe than sorry with the, the coronavirus scare. we got to keep people safe. So that's a bummer of, on the way to end the season. But that's another reason why I definitely wanted to do this podcast special on March Madness, talking Kentucky Wildcat basketball. So I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion hope this encourages you to maybe check out some old Kentucky games while we are uh, under the, the quarantine because we've got a lot of great history here in Kentucky basketball, and the tradition is only continuing. So thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and have a great week. Go Cats!